Welcome to Just Thinking with hosts Dara Harrison and Virgil Walker, bringing you week to week cultural apologetics as well as social issues from a biblical worldview. This is Just Thinking. Let's think. We're back. It's another edition of the Just Thinking podcast. I am Virgil Walker. And I am Daryl Harrison. Virgil Walker, what you know, my Man, brother. Man, that, that's, okay, now people are going to be so confused as to who you're even talking about now. <laughs> <laughs> because you didn't say Omaheezy, Omaha, Omahehe. No, they got nothing. <laughs> They got they got nothing out of that intro. In fact, in fact, man, come to think of it, uh, our 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 friend Dr. James White, man, he was uh, I was watching his show at one point, uh, one of his one of his podcasts, and he said uh, he was naming names. I was all excited. He said Daryl Harrison, and you know Omaha. I was like, he don't even know my name oh, is Virgil. Wow, <laughs> man. See, he always knows me Omaha, man. That's it. You that's know? when you. That's when you know you've reached celebrity status. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> when they when they can't recall what your given name is, given name is right, 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 right. I'm just, just Omaha. Refer, right. They just refer yeah. to you as Omaha. You're, yeah. See that that's blue check social media uh, celebrity <laughs> status right there. That's a blue check mark. I get the blue check mark under Omaha. The blue okay. check under Omaha, man. The, 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 the only beautiful part about that is I do, it, it still provides me quite a bit of anonymity, right? I can still kind of do my thing. Nobody really knows, you know, it's the Omaha. And other than that, if, if, if somebody introduced me as Virgil Walker, they'd be, who, who is that? Omaha. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. We know who that yeah, is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Omaha. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? There was a method behind me referring to you by uh, by your uh, birth name there, though, Virgil, because okay. what's it been about a month since we've been together behind the mic together like Bro, this? Bro, hey, no doubt. That's a great point, man. It's been it's been it's almost long. like it's, it's almost like it's the first episode again, because it's been over a month. Yeah. Since you and I have been behind the mics together. And that's yeah. because. Some, com- some commitments that I had with, with grace to you. You know, I sure. think some traveling. I was yep. up to DC on one trip and then I was up in Minnesota. Minnesota, putting to, it down, uh, man. To, that to, was to great speak stuff. speak on social justice. But I really yep. want to give another shout out, uh, to my friends up at the Christian, uh, worldview, David Wheaton and his team there, uh, giving me the opportunity to come up there and help them out and, and speak, uh, speak on that issue of social justice at Grace mm-hmm. Church up in Eden Prairie. Uh, and then and I you get did a back. fantastic job up there, man. Thank that you, was brother. Fa- Thanks so much. I, I'm, I'm I'm hopeful that our folks, our listeners who haven't had a chance to go back and and see that, will pull that up. I think the last the last show that I did, I can't remember the title. I think it was maybe Black uh, Black Nationalism, White Fatherlessness. Right. I think mm-hmm. I I think I'd placed a link to that to 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 the um, the live stream if it's still up and available. I've I've posted that there. They just need to go back and check that out. Yeah, it is still up and available. So for those of you have who have not yet had an opportunity to watch the message that I gave up at Grace Church in Eden mm-hmm. Prairie on why social justice is a threat to the church. Mm-hmm. Please go to the Christian worldview.org. The Christian worldview.org. Just scroll down till you see the video image of myself along with my brother David Wheaton on the stage. Click that and you will get the entire event in its entirety mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can still watch that. That's the Christian worldview.org. So, Virg, I get back, right? I get back from Minnesota. 
And the folks at Grace Community Church and the, in the fellowship group that I, that I belong to is called Grace Life. Mm-hmm. And a softball game a couple weekends ago, which I oh yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> and then I end up breaking a rib right in the softball game. <laughs> I don't mean Took to a, laugh, but you told you told. I mean, I, we talked about it. We you, I called you. We talked. We talked talked about this, and and uh, I just couldn't believe. I was trying. I was trying in my mind, man, to picture you. You know, swinging the bat, doing your thing, running to the base, and I think what you told me was, did you slide in the first? What what no, happened? What happened How did was, that... what happened was, see, <laughs> what happened was, <laughs> I'm wearing a I'm wearing a pair of brand new cleats. Okay, right, right, right. I'm wearing right. brand new cleats. Never and you're been serious worn about first this. time. I'm serious, man. I went out and bought brand new cleats. Yeah, brand, brand new, new batting gloves. Right. I grew up playing baseball, so baseball is my thing. Okay. So I'm trying to beat out a ground ball at first, man. I'm still pretty fast. So I'm hustling out, you know, and I step on the bag and I think because the cleats were so, uh, smooth still, so slippery. So they were so smooth still that my, my momentum from just the speed at which I was running, Mm -hmm. I slipped on the base at first, took a really hard tumble onto the ground where I think I may have rolled over like two or three times. Uh, dislocated my right pinky, hyperextended uh, my right knee. Ended up going to urgent care three days later. The doctor confirmed, said, yep, Mr. Harrison, you broke rib number seven on uh, the right side. Uh, so I'm sitting here as I talk to you today with a broken rib, still recovering dang. from a broken rib uh, uh, from a softball game. So don't let anyone ever tell you mm-hmm. that that church sports are soft. <laughs> okay. Right. 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 We, it's like we Y'all go in, hard. In, listen, in grace life, you either go hard or go home. Right, <laughs> <laughs> or go to the doctor in my case. Or go to the doctor. Right, 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 right. The the, the emergency room. Right, right. But but all that said, man, it's just a blessing to be back with you, brother. Because it's oh, been bro, a while. Yeah, yeah. And check it time. out. Check it out, listeners to the Just Thinking podcast. Check it out. The next time you hear, well, apart from this ver this this episode being released, apart from this episode being released, the next time you hear from Virgil and me. Mm-hmm. We'll be at the Truth Matters Conference at Grace Church the uh, Wednesday night, October 16th. The conference is mm-hmm. happening October 16th through the 18th. Yeah. But you and I, Virgil, will be streaming a live episode of the Just Thinker podcast from Grace Church, October 16th. That's Wednesday evening, 7 o'clock p.m. Pacific time. Amazing. Okay, we will be broadcasting an episode live in front of a live audience from Grace Church in L.A., Wow. And that will be the first time, Omaha, in almost two years of us doing this podcast, right? That you and I will have met one another in person, right? That's going to be crazy. That's the first. That'll be the first time you and I have ever met in person, man. I still people still don't believe me. I mean, I've got new new listeners all the time. In fact, in 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 our geography, my geography, my area of the world, where people are a little bit slower to kind of you know we're definitely not early adopters in the midwest you know that that goes to the east and west coast and so we're a little bit slower to adopt things but but folks in my area are starting now to pick up the momentum of the just thinking podcast and bro when they hear us and i think two things are 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 kind of a trip to them one uh man the quality of of what we do from a standpoint of 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 just sound production and what our what our dear brother Dwayne does uh post production wise folks think we're in the same space at the same time talk looking at each other and yeah. talking and the the flow that we have with one another so is so rapid that folks think that so the second thing they're shocked by is i think is our 
you know, j- just just the natural chemistry of, of what flows back and forth. So they're like, how long have you guys known each other? And I said, I have never met that brother in person. Yep. So they're kind of shocked. It's so true. That, that, that'll it's be, true. it'll be, it'll be an absolute blast, man, getting a chance to connect with you here in about a week or so. Well, shout out to Dwayne Atkinson, the hardest working man in podcast. Land oh, no for doubt. Making a sound the way we do, but we're no looking doubt. forward to, uh, in about a week and a half from now, finally meeting in person, uh, mm-hmm. having the privilege to participate and contribute to what's going to be a fantastic conference at Grace Church. Um, it will be live streamed. So for those of you who cannot attend the conference in person, it will be live streamed. We'll have more information coming about uh, that in the next uh, several days. Mm-hmm. Uh, but looking forward to meeting you, brother, and then uh, talking about the sufficiency of Scripture right. up against black liberation theology. So that yes. will be the topic of our episode that we're going to do yep. from the Truth Matters Conference at Grace Church mm-hmm. in L.A., October 16th. All right, bro. Well, here we are. Here we are. Here again. we are. Here we are again. And, uh, wow. Here we are again. It's it's been it's been an incredible week. Yeah, it it's been has an absolutely been. incredible week in the news, and uh, and we're here to talk about that. So let's yep. go ahead and dive right into it, bro. I know our um our listeners are uh, have have already let us know mm-hmm. that they're anticipating our thoughts on on this yep. topic that we're going to be dealing with yep. in this episode. So as many people know, uh, Omaha on on September sixth, twenty eighteen, just last year, September sixth, twenty eighteen. A 26-year-old black man by the name of Botham Shim Jean. Last mm-hmm. name is J-E-A-N. Botham, B-O-T-H-A-M. Botham Shim Jean was shot and killed in his own apartment mm-hmm. by a white woman, 30, 31-year-old Amber Renee Geyer, mm-hmm. who at the time of the shooting was employed as a Dallas, Texas police officer. Mm-hmm. Now, after an investigation, Geyer was arrested and subsequently indicted by a grand jury on a charge of murder. After a trial that lasted roughly two weeks or so, a jury found Amber Geyer guilty of the charge of murder. And shortly thereafter, that same jury sentenced her to 10 years in prison. Mm-hmm. Now, what was interesting is that during the penalty phase of the trial, and, and and our legal beagles out there will know what I'm talking about here. But during the penalty phase of the trial, both the prosecution and the defense were allowed to call witnesses to present what are referred to as impact statements. Mm-hmm. OK, now, in the case of the prosecution, those witnesses included family members and friends of the murder victim, both them, John. Conversely, the defense called witnesses who gave testimony that was favorable to the character of both them, John's murderer, Amber Geyer. Now, one of the witnesses called by the prosecution was both them, John's younger brother, Brant, mm-hmm. Brant, John. As part of his remarks, which were made under oath, just like everyone else's, Brant, John spoke these words directly to Amber Geyer. Now, again, this is the brother of the man whom Amber Geyer has just been convicted of murdering. Mm-hmm. Brant Jean said this, quote, if you truly are sorry, I know I can speak for myself. I forgive you. And I know if you go to God and ask him, he will forgive you. Mm. And I don't think anyone can say it again. I'm speaking for myself and not on behalf of my family. 
but I love you just like anyone else. And I'm not going to say, I hope you rot and die just like my brother did, but I personally want the best for you. And I wasn't going to ever say this in front of my family or anyone, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you because I know that's exactly what both of them would want you to do. And the best would be give your life to Christ. I'm not going to say anything else. I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that both of them would want you to do. Again, I love you as a person. And I don't wish anything bad on you, unquote. That was a direct word-for-word quote of what Brant Jean, the brother of Botham Jean, to Botham's murderer, Amber Geyer, as he's sitting on the witness stand giving his impact statement in front of everyone in that courtroom. Now, Brant Jean then went on to say something else to the presiding judge whose name is Tammy Kemp. Mm. Brent Jean, even after having said that, he said this to the judge, quote, I don't know if this is possible, but can I give her a hug, please? Please, unquote. Judge Kemp consented, and it was then, at that moment, that Brent Jean and the murderer of his brother, Amber Geyer, the convicted murderer of Brent Jean's brother, both of them, they engaged in a lengthy embrace with one another for several moments with tears mm-hmm. flowing, not only between the two of them, mm-hmm. but also from Judge Kemp, as well as several others who were in attendance in that courtroom. Mm-hmm. Now, in remarks made to the press after the trial, Brant Jean's mother, Allison, called her son's gesture of, of forgiveness toward Amber Geyer, quote, remarkable. Mm-hmm. And in commenting on the gesture made by his son, Brant, toward the murderer of his son, Botham, Brant Jean's father, Bertram Jean, says this, quote, I'm not really surprised because we know how we raised him. The Holy Spirit was working. I'd like to become her friend at some point. That is Amber's friend. I'd like to become Amber's friend at some point. I think I have the ability to do it, and I would like to be a friend despite my loss. Wow. That's why we are Christians, he said, mm-hmm. unquote. That's why we are Christians. Now, video of Brent Jean's volitional gesture of forgiveness toward his brother's murderer went viral on social media and on various media outlets across the Internet. Headlines from around the world were lauding the young man for his beneficent gesture. I even saw one headline Omaha that described Brent Jean's actions as, quote, stunning, unquote. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But not everyone saw Brant Jean's stunning behavior in such a positive or constructive light. Mm-hmm. Several people, in fact, and many of them profess, who profess to be Christians, expressed their displeasure that Brant Jean dared to forgive Amber Geyer solely on the basis that he is black and she is white. In fact, some of the comments made were quite vitriolic. Now, we're actually going to share some of those comments in just a moment. But before we do that, Omaha, as I reflected on some of the nasty and disparaging comments being directed toward Brant Jean, the vast majority of which were coming from black Christians, I was reminded of something that the late Dr. James H. Cohn wrote in his book, Black Theology and Black Power. Cohn mm-hmm. said this. Listen very closely, listeners. 
Cohn said this, quote, reconciliation on white racist terms is impossible for black people since it would crush the dignity of black people. Under these conditions, blacks must treasure their hostility, bringing it fully into consciousness as an irreducible quality of their identity, unquote. Mm -hmm. I'm going to read that once again. This is James Mm -hmm. Cone, who many view as the the father, rather, of black liberation theology from his book, Black Theology and Black Power. James Cone said this, reconciliation on white racist terms is impossible since it would crush the dignity of black people. Under these conditions, blacks must Listen to this. Blacks must treasure their hostility, mm-hmm. bringing it fully into consciousness as an irreducible quality of their identity, mm-hmm. unquote. That's James Cone. Now, in other words, what Cone is saying is that it is beholden to every black person in America to treasure, he said, an attitude of open hostility toward white people. For to not do so, is to not fully realize your identity as a black person. Now, in in the current sociocultural milieu in which we find ourselves today, there is no greater sin a black person in America can commit than to not fully recognize and embrace his or her, quote unquote, blackness. Mm -hmm. But that mindset is not unique in general extent. It is also the case within certain segments of evangelicalism as increasing numbers of Christians and evangelical churches embrace the so-called social gospel or the quote-unquote gospel of social justice. Mm-hmm. Now, there, there is an element of the social gospel or what I prefer to call woke evangelicalism right. in which it becomes the responsibility and obligation of every black Christian to come into a full awareness and appreciation of his or her blackness and to esteem and revere their ethnicity in everything else, mm-hmm. which, which ironically is exactly what Brant Jean did not do. Mm-hmm. Many woke social justicians, especially black social justicians, are so indignant toward him. I think it would become clear, as we share with our listeners, that Cohn's ethos of black Christians treasuring an attitude of ethnic hostility is in fact reflected in many of the statements we're going to cite in this episode of the just thinking podcast. Mm-hmm. Thoughts on Mahal. Man. Uh, first of all, I thought, I thought you provided a, a solid summary of, uh, of the events and what took place. And it really catches uh, our listeners up uh, on this issue. I remember initially when this story happened, um, back in, I think it was September sometime. And you, you and I discussed it briefly, uh, on one of our shows. And we, we addressed it from a standpoint of why, why things like this happen. Why do, why do cop killers happen? And, uh, you know, why, why do we see these kinds of things happening in our culture? And the answer that, that you provided was that police officers are sinners, you know, so therefore mm. we, we, therefore none of us should be surprised or caught off guard when we witness sinners acting sinfully. Now, this was this was not to excuse or overlook sin or to ignore injustice, but rather it was an explanation as to why we encounter injustice to begin with. And and you and I have discussed on this show many times 
the impact of sinful politicians, sinful police officers, sinful principals in school systems, sinful public figures of, of all stripes. And the result of sinful human beings is that sinful human beings sin, right? I mean, there, there's, there's absolutely no question about that. What happens next? Uh, is done, it, it can be done or often is done through the lens of, of others who, who act self-righteously. Uh, what they, what they try to do is they try to ascribe motive on the, on the basis of their own self-righteousness. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a flawed, the, what they use is a flawed anti-biblical anthropology or, or worse, they'll use, they'll use black liberation theology like that of Combs, as you quoted, like that of Kona, as, as you quoted earlier. And, and I, I want to revisit that quote for a moment because I believe it sets us up well for where things landed in the news. As we began to, man, as this thing began to unfold, um, I remember, I remember when, when you kind of hit me up and, and texted me and just said, Hey, are you, are, are you, you watching this thing unfold? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And you, Hey, get on Twitter. Here's what I need you to check out. Keep your eye on the pulse and here's what's happening. But, but I, I want to, as, as we get ready to unpack, some of the comments that we saw in social media, I think it's I think it's important to revisit what Cone what Cone said, and 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 so I want to requote what you just did. He said this yep. quote: "Reconciliation on white racist terms is impossible for black people, since it would crush the dignity of black people. Under these conditions, blacks must treasure their hostility." bringing it into full consciousness, bringing it fully rather into consciousness as an irreducible quality of their identity. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's unbelievable. Uh, the, the quote in and of itself taken in, you know, in as, as prescription for, mm-hmm. for that, that, that's a prescri- that's an anthropologic prescriptive. I mean, that, that's, that, that's telling you as a human being, as a black human being in particular, this is how you must live in order to have your, in order to hold on to a proper identity of self. Mm-hmm. And what we see in, it related in, in comments, uh, on, on Twitter were pretty, were pretty reflective of that. What, 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 what really caught me, it was eye opening to witness as, as, as black liberation theology, as we began to see how in, it's insidious impact as reflected mm-hmm. through the quote, in the, in black culture and in tribalistic thought. And so with that, man, I want to unpack some of these, some of these tweets that you and I both have kind of seen and I'm sure others have seen. Uh, I'll first start with one and because we, we haven't had a chance to talk. You, you would send me something. I'd read it. You'd send me something. I'd read it. I'd go I'd find something. I'd throw it back at you, but we haven't really had a chance to kind of unpack these. So I, I want to start with one Bishop Talbert Swan. Yes. B- Bishop Talbert Swan. That was kind of the first tweet that I saw and he had a, a pictures from the uh from the courtroom of of the hug uh of mm-hmm. the of, of the uh, of the judge uh and and of of uh of one of the uh one of the police officers that were in the uh in the courtroom and and he t- he, he 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 tweeted out post traumatic slavery syndrome and that's kind of where he where he started his commentary what what were your thoughts brother as you saw this well, you know, from what I know of Bishop, and I put that in air quotes, Bishop right. Albert Swan and the worldview mm-hmm. to which he espouses uh, on such issues uh, as the one we're discussing here, mm-hmm. uh, that really didn't surprise me. It really didn't surprise mm-hmm. me at all. Uh, what I, uh, it, it did sort of 
cause me to uh, react for a split second because what you're seeing is a, a visual of uh, this this brother Brent Jean hugging Amber Guire, a Guyer rather Amber Guyer. There's uh, another image of the judge um, uh, talking with Amber Guyer. Uh, where it is that the judge offered Amber Guyer a Bible, mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. there's a third image of one of the security personnel within the courtroom, uh, maybe doing something to Amber Guyer's hair, fixing her hair a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, or, or grooming her to some extent. Uh, and then above all that, you have the comment by Bishop Talbert Swan, post-traumatic slavery syndrome in all caps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. on, on the one hand, it didn't surprise me. Um, I, I, I would expect something like that from, uh, from, uh, Talbert Swan. Uh, but again, it, it's, it, it's just reminiscent and reflective of the, uh, degree to which ethnicity cannot be detached from homartiology. And what I mean by that is this, is that the human heart is just so deceitful mm-hmm. that skin color ethnicity can morph into a worldview it can it can actually develop into the way a way through which you see the world right and uh that's what got me about what bishop talbert swan uh posted uh with regard to that imagery and then captioning it as post-traumatic slavery disorder Right. Uh, or, or syndrome. I'm sorry. Right. The the thing I, I'll add this because there was another there was another statement he made that I want to get your thoughts on. It, it was I, my thought was who who was actually enslaved? I mean, who post-traumatic slavery syndrome? I mean, the, the only the only person enslaved is the one enslaved to their hatred and bitterness. Right. And and it's actually Swan who's the one trying to hold on to a narrative based upon a flawed idea in the first place this if anybody was free uh it, it was it was it was the young man in the courtroom he was free of his hatred he was free of his right. anger he was free and what what like i like what you said air quote bishop swan right uh actually actually proffered was the was the idea that that he should hold on to that that he right. should be enslaved by that uh, and, and I, I was just dumbstruck. I thought, wow, talk about adding, adding insult to injury. This, of all the people who had the experience of having his brother taken from him. And I, I thought about this in, in this stamp, from this standpoint, and I, I, I won't belabor this point too long. You and I have the, have the common uh, experience of having our, I think it's your younger brother. My younger brother older, passed. Older a, brother. Your older my brother. Older brother. Your, your older brother, my younger brother, pass in in our dur- during our lifetimes as and, and we're still relatively young men. Um, that that's a that's an experience, and uh, in, you know, my parents are still alive, and so they've buried their son. Um, that that's a that's a serious deal. That's a serious weight, man. There there are days when when you know maybe a long time where I don't think about it, and then all of a sudden, man, something will trigger and hit me. And I realized my brother is gone and emotion yeah. out of nowhere will, will well up and hit me at the fore. How, how dare someone, how dare someone question your motivation on the basis of something as insignificant as race when you're dealing with the real grief 
of a family member whom you've lost. That that galls me on a whole nother level. I mean, are you hearing what I'm saying? I mean, is this making yeah, any sense? I'm, 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 I'm tracking with you on that, Omaha, and I'm going to be speaking more specifically to that as we, you know, progress through this episode. But I'm actually and absolutely tracking with you on that, brother. Yeah. That's a great yeah. point. Yeah. That's a well, great he, point. He made he made, an, he made another comment out. You know, white people jubilant over black uh, over a black man absolving a white woman of the heinous of, of the heinous rather heinous crime of murdering his brother and offering her forgiveness would condemn him if he rightfully expressed anger and indignation, a natural part of grieving. Uh, the message is clear. Be passive and suffer peacefully. Your thoughts. Yeah. Well, you're going to hear my thoughts on these, uh, these comments a little bit later. Uh, but uh, yeah, again, not surprised, not surprised at all. Um, and again, this is why the quote from Cone is so significant, because I believe Black Theology and Black Power was published in the early 70s. Here we are nearly 50 years later. OK, and you still have a generation of black professing Christians. Now, let's not leave that descriptor out. These are black professing Christians who are abiding by and embracing the ethos of James Cone that blacks must treasure their hostility toward white people. That we must treasure that as part of our identity. And these comments that are being made of, on social media are evidence of people who have embraced that idea. This is incredible. Yeah, this Preston incredible. Mitch. Mitchum says this, quote, the sad truth is that people will look at Brant, John and others forgiveness and continue that as a standard for black people who aren't forgiving. Uh, black people are historically forced to show empathy to colonizers and made to feel bad when we don't. And they hashtag Amber Geiger. That's Preston Mitchum. You know, now, as I said earlier at the top of this episode, Amber Geyer is 31 years old. So I don't know if I go as far as describing her as a colonizer. <laughs> right, right, right. That's Isn't all this, I have to say about that. This, I mean, that, 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 this, this is just absurd. Yeah. This is just yeah. absurd. Go, go ahead. I know you have a, at least one more, I think. Yeah, let me look here. <laughs> Your boy, Ricky Smiley. Yeah, Ricky Smiley. <laughs> He, I, I couldn't believe this. And, and again, this did not surprise me. He's got pictures of, of the courtroom in all kinds of ways, shapes, or form. He actually has a, has an image of, uh, of, of some other, uh, uh, other judicial matters that really have nothing to do with this particular case, but he's trying to make a comparison. Uh, he says, he says in capital letters, quote, stop forgiving your oppressors. Uh, four exclamation points. Wake up three exclamation points. That woman was racist to the core. Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Okay, fine. I mean, listen, <laughs> I, I streamed the trial. I streamed the trial online. Okay. Um, I know about the text messages that the prosecution read that Amber Geyer sent from her phone. Yeah. Those were sinfully prejudicial comments that she made in those texts. But what does that have to do with you as a Christian with regard to what God commands you to do? Absolutely. Ricky Smiley. Absolutely. Rick, you, you are now, and see, what, here's what's funny about, and I don't mean funny humorous. 
Right. But here's, here's what's really ironic about these comments that are being made. They're being made as if they had a vested interest in the trial. Right, 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 right. They're being made. These folks are making comments as if it was their brother that was murdered. Right, right, right. Listen, right. you, they, you, they, they, right. they were spectators. They were observers from a distance, right. just like right. I was. Right. And yet, unlike me, they have bought in to this black identity theology, this black identity politics, this black identity uh, social construct of the world that sees everything through race colored glasses, not rose colored glasses, race colored glasses. Everything right. so much so that Brent Jean can't even forgive someone without the approval of the tribe, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. Right? But what, this, what, see, this is absolutely amazing. It is amazing. It's it's absolutely amazing. It's unbelievable. From from and you took the words right out of my mouth. None of that. None of what he tweeted. None of what they said has anything to do with with the 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 choice made by 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 Brant to to forgive it has nothing to do none of those things that they tweeted have anything to do with this free will choice that this young man made moved by the grace of God on his heart i mean period in the statement you you know omaha notwithstanding the anger and vitriol that is evident in some of those comments particularly from people who profess to be christian and many of whom are even viewed in certain spheres of evangelicalism as leaders what I find most disturbing about some of the things they've said is that they are essentially upset that a Christian actually obeyed God. Mm. I mean, think about that for a second. They're upset that this young Christian brother actually obeyed God. Mm -hmm. Brant Jean, a self-avowed follower of Jesus Christ, as is, by the way, his entire immediate family. Brand Jean, a young man who not only forgave the convicted murderer of his brother, Botham, but in doing so also urged her to come to faith in Jesus Christ. Mm. This man, <coughs> this man incurred the wrath of a group of woke evangelicals for no other reason than that he obeyed God by offering forgiveness to Amber Geyer. Now, now, let me let me let me interject one thing quickly. Not only did he offer forgiveness. He offered her the gospel. Right. That, that, that's, that is missing in every, he offered her the good news of salvation through Christ. Right. <laughs> that's exactly. great. And what, and what is the gospel? If, at its, if, if you could sum it up, you could sum it up to say that the gospel is a message of forgiveness. Amen. It's a message of forgiveness. Mm -hmm. But that's another topic. But the point here is this. The point I want to make is folks like Talbert Swan and others who we've quoted here by name are angry at this young man because he he obeyed God. So when you think about it that way, as it turns out, Omaha, Amber Geyer was actually convicted not once, but twice. Yeah. Amber Geyer was found guilty in a court of law. That's conviction number one. Okay, she was found guilty of murder in a court of law. That's conviction number one. But subsequent to Brant Jean's volitional act of forgiveness, Geyer was then found guilty a second time. Only this time it was in the court of social justice. 
Mm-hmm. So in reality, Amber Geyer is not only guilty of murder, she's also guilty of being white. Right, right. But that is what woke evangelicalism is at its core. Woke evangelicalism is the attribution and imputation of guilt to a white person or a group of white people based solely on the fact that they are white. Right. Again, that's the sin that woke evangelicals like the people we've quoted are accusing Amber Geyer of being white. And yet those same individuals have the temerity to call themselves Christians. Right. They're they're not Christians. They are not Christians. What they are is hateful, vengeful, prideful, hypocritical Pharisees whose behavior more closely resembles that of a child of Satan than a child of God. That's who they are. Wow. Take the mic, Omaha. Wow. I I, man, I, I completely agree. What these people are preaching and practicing is not Christian, nor is it Christianity. Uh, our, our friend, our friend Ali Beth Stuckey calls their gospel the gospel of grievance, right? I, I'd only add to that by saying it's, it's the gospel of grief. It, it's the gospel of gripes. It's the gospel of grumbling and it's a gutless gospel bent on holding human hatred as fuel for their identity. I mean, at the wow. end of the day, that's, that's what, that's, that's what it. they're doing. And, and it's, it's everything you said. It is, it is not of, of, of their, they're not children of God. They're not acting as children of God. No, they're acting no. as children of their father, the devil. Right. The devil. Exactly right. Now, just as an aside, in, in the NSB translation, the NESB, the non-Arminian standard Bible, which, which I use, <laughs> in the NESB, the word forgiveness appears a total of 18 times across the Old and New Testament, three times in the Old Testament. And 15 times in the New Testament. Now, I want to make clear, I said the word forgiveness. Okay. I know there's forgive, forgiven, forgave. I'm talking about forgiveness. The word forgiveness appears 18 times total across the Old and New Testament. In the New Testament, the word forgiveness is the Greek noun aphesis. That's A-P-H-E-S-I-S. Aphesis which translated means a complete release from bondage or imprisonment or the complete remission of a penalty imposed. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's forgiveness in the new Testament, the Greek noun aphesis. Now, every one of the 15 times that the word aphesis appears in the new Testament, it is associated with the forgiveness of sins. Every single time. Mm. It is that word aphesis that is used in Acts chapter 10 as the apostle Peter is preaching to the household of the Roman centurion Cornelius. And I want to read verses 42 and 43 from Acts chapter 10. This is Peter preaching to Cornelius about Jesus. Acts 10 verses 42 and 43. And he, that is Jesus, this is Peter speaking. And he, Jesus, ordered us to preach to the people and solemnly solemnly to testify that this is the one who has been appointed by God as judge of the living and the dead mm. of him all that is of Jesus of him all the prophets bear witness that through his name everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness aphesis receives forgiveness of sins okay that's acts 10 Verses 42 and 43, Peter says that everyone who believes in Jesus receives 
forgiveness of sins. So having exegeted the word forgiveness earlier, we can read verse 43 this way, that everyone who believes in Jesus receives complete remission from the penalty of their sins against God. Now that is significant because each of us, from the moment we are conceived in our mother's womb, is indebted to God to pay in full the penalty of our sins against him. As, as Paul says in Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 23, but now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, did you get that, Omaha? Paul says there is no distinction. That word distinction, diastole in the Greek, carries with it the picture of a symphony orchestra and all the different and distinct sounds that the orchestral instruments make. But when it comes to us as human beings, there is no difference or distinction. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us. Now, what is interesting, if, if not ironic, about that truth, Omaha, that we've all fallen short of the glory of God as sinners, particularly, what's interesting about that, particularly in light of the topic we're discussing on this episode of the Just Thinking Podcast, is that people who are expressing such vitriolic indignation against Brant Jean for forgiving Amber Geyer would not hesitate to declare that their own sins, right. past, present, and future, have all been forgiven by Christ. Right, right. And that on the merits of his atoning work on the cross, their slate has been wiped clean, so that it right. is now whiter than snow, as it says in Psalm 51.7. Another thing is this. Woke evangelicals love to quote their little pet verse. You know what their little pet verse is, right, Omaha? Their little pet verse is Micah 6, 8. This is the pet verse of woke evangelicals. Michael, Micah 6, 8. Quote, he has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love mm-hmm. kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? That is the pet verse of woke evangelicals. Right. The problem is, the problem, though, is this, is that many woke evangelicals treat Micah 6, 8 in the same way that many people treat Matthew 7, 1. Matthew 7, <laughs> right. 1 says, do not judge so that you will not be judged. And what I mean by that is, is this, is that in the same way, in the same way that many Christians think about Matthew 7, 1, and that Matthew 7, 1 says only do not judge, woke evangelicals reference Micah 6, 8 as if it only says do justice. All right. But Micah 6, 8 also says that we are to love kindness. You see, woke evangelicals like to emphasize the words do justice in that verse while completely disregarding the command to love kindness. That's good. That's really good. Now, one way in which that word kindness in the Hebrew can be interpreted is to demonstrate pity towards someone in the form of performing a good deed for them. Mm -hmm. That's what that word kindness means in the Hebrew. And that is exactly what Brant John did in accordance with what is taught in the pet verse of most woke evangelicals. Micah 6, 8, Brant John showed loving kindness toward Amber Geyer by forgiving her for murdering his brother. But again, 
the woke evangelicals with their pet verse, they like to skip over that command about love kindness. And you hear these people are these woke social justicians passing judgment against this young man, a man whom no doubt they would claim as a brother in Christ. They are passing judgment against this young, this young man merely for being obedient to God's word and forgiving a woman who, though of a different ethnicity than he, is no less an image bearer of God than he is. Mm-hmm. Thoughts on that, Omaha? And this is good. I, I completely agree with agree with you. This this hypocritical nature of the of woke evangelicals, man, it, it is unbelievable. They 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 believe their sins to have been forgiven while demanding that others continue to pay some kind of retribution. Mm-hmm. It's as if the sacrifice of Christ was was sufficient for them, but not for all, right? Right. This this is this is pharisaicalism at its best. Uh, it, it reminds me of, of Matthew five twenty where Jesus in his delivery of the Sermon on the Mount says, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribe and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And all of this points back to the fact that those preaching this this conian form of Christian liberation, where we elevate grievance above grace, this is actually it's actually insufficient to save anyone. I mean, who who's helped by this this hypocritical form of so-called Christianity, where Christ is enough for me but not for you? Mm-hmm. Who, who's who's helped by this subjective form of Christianity where 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 each one of us arbitrarily decides how much of a penalty the other still owes before grace can be given? Right. This is this is salvation by works. And I mean, come on, man, this this never actually works. This is this is ridiculous. I'll tell you what, man. You, you said it perfectly. Omaha. I like that, that that Jesus is enough for me, but not right. for thee. Right. Enough for me, right. but not for thee. Right, right. That's true. You know, and, and of all the comments we've gone through so far about Brand John, there is one that we've not yet discussed. Mm. But we're going to discuss it now. Good. In an article published in the Washington Post, Jamar Tisby, in commenting on Brand John's gesture of forgiveness to Amber Geyer, said this. This is a rather lengthy quote, so hang in there with me, listeners. Right. I had to I had to uh, capture this in its totality so as to get the context of what Tisby is saying here. Tisby said this in a piece he wrote that was published in the Washington Post a couple days ago. Quote, some viewed Brant's actions as a stunning example of forgiveness, a moment of grace and tenderness that briefly bridged the chasm between races and provided an example for all to emulate. Although Christians of different backgrounds shared a variety of responses, This moment was especially celebrated by white Christians. It seems to indicate a desire to hastily move on from the wrong done and offer a perfect picture of reconciliation. Perhaps with just the right amount of compassion, some believe we can erase the color line. But when another black man has been murdered by a person charged to, quote unquote, serve and protect, forgiveness should neither be demanded nor assumed. A society built around white superiority is also built around white innocence. An assumption of the intrinsic moral virtue of all white people and the purity of their intentions regardless of impact. White innocence assumes black forgiveness. So people are celebrating Brant's gesture of forgiveness. 
Such a sentiment is praised as an admirable example of Christian faith in action. Of course, Jesus urges his followers to forgive. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. Matthew 6, 12, 14, 15. From a certain perspective, this is Tisby still speaking. From a certain perspective, Brandt is simply following the dictates of his conscience and his faith. But what must be understood is that when tragedies such as the murder of a black man by a white police officer occur, they aren't just felt by one black person. The black community feels the impact. If white people expect all black people to extend forgiveness as quickly as Brant Jean did, then they understand neither black people nor black pain. Black grief, Tisby goes on, is a community project. It is felt widely but dealt with individually. Some go to therapy. Some participate in demonstrations. Others write op-eds. Everyone is entitled to their own process. As Brent stated, he speaks for himself, unquote. Now, that was from Tisby's piece that was published in the Washington Post, and I think other outlets have since picked up that article. Mm-hmm. Now, Tisby also posted this on his Twitter account, though, okay? Tisby, on his personal Twitter account, said this, quote, No one should mistake black forgiveness whenever and if ever it is offered for complacency with racial injustice. No one should assume that a public act of mercy on the part of one black person eclipses the demands for change from an entire community, unquote. Now, if you've heard those two quotes that I've read from Jabbar Tisby, you've heard terms uh, used such as black grief, black forgiveness. So my question is this, black grief, what is that? Okay, what is that? Mm-hmm. Black grief, what is that? Black forgiveness, what the heck is that? Mm-hmm. Is black grief, is black forgiveness, is that offering someone forgiveness in the form of a two-piece chicken dinner from Popeye's with a side of dirty rice and some red drink? <laughs> is, that, is that what that is? You're wrong for that one, man. You- <laughs> I mean, seriously, Omaha. How does one, how does one cult- culturally appropriate grief? Right, 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 right. How is it possible to ethnicize forgiveness so as to refer to it in terms of black grief and black forgiveness? How do you ethnicize and culturally appropriate grief? I would like to ask my brother Jamar Tisby. Are the tears of black people less or more translucent than those of other ethnicities so as to make the grief of black people ex- that black people experience somehow unique? Right, right. I mean, to what extent does melanin influence or impact the degree of brokenheartedness one feels when a loved one dies? To my knowledge, a black person doesn't bury his or her loved one any more or less deep into the ground than does a white person. They're interred six feet into the ground, regardless of the ethnicity of the deceased person. It's interesting. On the one hand, Tisby says that black grief is, quote, a community project. But on the other hand, singling out Brad Jean as speaking for himself. Right, right. But you see, Omaha, that kind of reasoning is black theology. It is not biblical theology. That's right. I want to make that clear. 
What Tisby and these other folks are talking about, that's black theology. That's not biblical theology. Black theology singles out those, including other black Christians, who don't align with the ethnic tribalism that is inherent within its doctrine. Mm -hmm. And what exactly is the doctrine of black theology? Well, in black theology, you see, you're black first, then Christian, in that order. Right. Okay. That's all you need to know about black theology. In black theology, you're black first, then Christian, in that order. But see, Brant Jean dared to invert that order. You see? Mm-hmm. If forgiving his brother's murderer, Brant Jean declared, no, I'm a Christian first and foremost. Mm-hmm. And in making that statement, Brent Jean committed what in woke evangelicalism is the unpardonable sin. Brent Jean acted independent of the tribe. He acted without the consent of the tribe. He failed to check with Jamar Tisby. He failed to check with Bishop Talbert Swan. He failed to check with Ricky Smiley first to see if the, if it was okay for him to forgive his white oppressor, Amber Geyer. Right. That was Brent Johnson. He mm-hmm. acted independently of the tribe, and consequently, he has incurred the wrath of the tribe. That is exactly why I said on Twitter the other day that in woke evangelicalism, it is often a greater transgression to sin against the tribe than it is to sin against God. Did you catch that? Listeners? I did. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, yep, yep. I am not exaggerating. In woke evangelicalism, it is often a greater transgression to sin against the tribe than it is to sin against God. I say that because woke evangelicals often hold people to a higher moral standard than even God does. (laughs) And their standard is always subjective, Mm -hmm. which means it is an impossible standard to meet because it's always changing. It's always evolving. It is never fixed or objective. So you can't win. Right. You can't win. Thoughts on that, Omaha? And a ton of thoughts. Uh, first of all, I love the ground you covered uh, with this. Uh, I, there was so much in that piece, just from the section you quoted, that was that was problematic. And and what it did was it exposed more about Tisby than it did provide a clear commentary on on culture. Okay. Right. I mean, yeah. uh, when, when you, when you go back through what he shared, he said, and, and I'm, I'm going back to the quote that you provided, it said, quote, although Christians of different backgrounds shared a variety of responses, this moment was especially celebrated by white Christians. And it seemed to indicate a desire to hastily move on from wrong done and offer a perfect picture of reconciliation. That's, that's flawed. Like based upon where is he getting his, 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 info from like did he do a poll and and identify that that white quote unquote right, white christians were somehow more excited that it he goes on to say that it, that, uh, that 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 some believe that we can erase the color line i don't know anyone i don't know anyone who thought in terms of race and color on the basis of the forgiveness being expressed more than yeah. woke evangelicals yeah, I, I, I don't. I yeah. don't. Do you know what I'm saying? I, I, yeah. I, I think they. I think most people who saw that saw, wow, the forgiveness and compassion that that young man had. Why? I wonder if I could do that. I, I wonder if God would would give me the grace to be able to right. do that. Wow, that yeah. was an expression of of Christian grace and forgiveness. They, they, the average person, 
never put the lens of race on it until they were told, right. instructed to do so by woke exactly. evangelicals. Exactly. So, exactly. I, there were so many aspects of this that was that were that were. I mean, I could go through that. Let me stick to let me stick to just some ideas, <laughs> a couple of ideas that I wrote down, and we'll be here all day. A couple. Of, I know. Couple I know of, how you. I know how you feeling, man. This is this is this is highly crazy. upsetting. Crazy. This is unbelievable. I said this. I put two two ideas. The subjectivity uh, and and the arbitrary nature of black theology exposes its racist and sinful origins. I, I'll say that again. The subjectivity and arbitrary nature of black theology exposes its racist and sinful origins. Let's be clear. This theology comes from Satan. A, yep. a, a disciple a disciple can't simply be black and apply right thinking. He must be black and woke. Right. And hold and hold to an oppressed versus oppressor theme or he, though, even though he's black, will find himself on the outside of orthodoxy. Right. Which is actually biblical heterodoxy on most of these these issues. He, he, here's what I mean. One of the things that was stated earlier. Let me go back to the to the quote he said. He said black grief is a community project. Now I'll address this later. Black grief is a community project. It is felt it, it is felt widely, but dealt with individually. Some go to therapy. Some participate in demonstrations. Others write op-ed, op-eds. Everyone is entitled to their own process. Here's what he left out. Everyone's entitled to their own process so long as they right. don't let go of that hatred. So long right. as they don't let go of that. You're entitled to your own process so long as you maintain a continuity with the tribe that says we've got to hold white people to some different level of payment for the penalty of some wrong that they did in 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 the historic past or in, or in other words as james cone said so long as you treasure that hostility absolutely absolutely that's 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 where this goes at the end of the day that's where this goes I, and the second point i wrote was just black grief and black forgiveness i did the same thing you did this what 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 is th this is a world of nonsense again if, if asked <laughs> it is i mean it's absolute nonsense again if asked to explain or at least uh, at least explain it based upon what i've witnessed when they try to explain explaining black grief or black forgiveness it's an expression of a collective tribalistic experience. What's missed is that is the racist nature of such an idea to begin with. That, right. That's a, that's a racist idea to begin with, right. to believe that all of us have the same experience on the basis of melanin in our skin is crazy. Right. And then to require that we all express ourselves as if we had the same experience on the basis of melanin is even crazier. Right. It's even so not only do we have to acknowledge that, that we all have this shared experience that that again, in, in Tisby's words, that black grief is a community project. Not only do we have to acknowledge that, but we are required to yes. express right. ourselves in that same manner or else we are outside of their orthodoxy. Yes. Yes. It, it's absolutely crazy. I, I, let me right. let me ask. Let me ask you this. This again. Bro. Did, did you did you get a call? Did you get a call? And I already know the answer. Did you get a call from Tisby regarding regarding the collective community based black grief that you feel? Did you get that call? No, no I didn't, didn't get a call. You didn't get, I a, didn't call. get a call. You didn't fill out the poll for the black nope. grief, the level of black grief nope. that you personally experienced. Nope. There, there was there, there was no survey that got mailed to nope. you, and you wrote no website, and, no no blackgrief.com, okay. no 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 blackforgiveness.org. You know, <laughs> right. You know. 
None right. of that. I didn't, I didn't get exposed to any you didn't of that. Get that. Okay. I just wanted, I just thought I'd check. I mean, th- this, it, he has no study to support this claim. He's made the claim. And on the basis of the fact that, that, that he, he's a woke evangelical, we have to take his expertise, his experiential expertise as if they're fact. To, to be clear, I have no idea what black grief is. I do I don't not, know. Exp- you know, I, I, it's, it's just, it's incredible. It's, it's like, why here in 2019 are black people still expected? And this is this is the expectation of other black people mm-hmm. like Tisby, Swan, Smiley and others that we've quoted in this episode. This is their expectation. Right. Right. That black people, black Americans as a collective group. Mm-hmm. Walk around in a mindset of. Nobody knows the trouble I see. Nobody knows my sorrow. I mean, the crazy part about that—the crazy every black person to live like that. And the the crazy part about that is the is the absolute the absolute freedom that they enjoy to express their ridiculousness should be evidence of the fact that ain't of one of them know anything about persecution i know that was bad english right well <laughs> not, sometimes not, that's necessary man not, sometimes not that's one, necessary to make the point not one of them know anything about oppression i mean if if they if 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 they're if their subjective couched position of 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 watching something it transpire on social media and being upset about it is there is, is there evidence of some black oppression man there we we're in a world of pain if real oppression shows up i'm telling you if real oppression shows up bro we in trouble we're in trouble, we're in trouble. I, this is, I, I i'll say this and and i have no idea what black grief is i don't experience black grief i've never experienced black grief no one and no one will require me to experience black grief any grief that i experience will be on the basis of the human condition as a result of sin oh sin exactly bro and and that grief that grief that i feel is is evidence of the fact that that i my that my life it's 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 evidence of the fact that my life is in need of a savior that 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 it is in search of of heaven that it is in search of a, a a relationship with god that is so necessary on my part because of the fall of mankind and the sin that's that's a part of our world it will never be on the basis of some level of melanin or lack thereof in my skin or someone else's well said omaha again man i have to go back to something i said earlier about their pet verse these woke evangelicals pet verse man is michael six eight do justice Oh, wait a minute. That says love kindness too. I didn't know that was in there. It's like, <laughs> right. they just skip right. all over that. Right. Oh, no, right. no. Justice, 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 justice. Yep. But oh, love and kindness. I'm sorry. I missed out on that. I didn't know that was in my Bible. This is unbelievable. Yeah. You know, I, as I, I reflect, I, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I love what you said. I love the comparator you made to, to Matthew 7, right? With, exactly. With, it's so it's 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 so perfect because every everybody knows you know thou shalt not judge but nobody's reading the rest of the verse or the verse the rest of the chapter right uh which 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 tells you not to ignore the the pigs with uh with, with swine i mean you you you're making you're looking at and examining life 
on the basis of what's happening. I mean, in that same chapter, you're you're instructed to look out for false teachers. And it says that you're going to know them on the basis of of the fruit that they provide. There is right. judgment. But again, no one's reading full context to the point you made. I mean, right. I, I, I'm right. I'm elaborating, but to the point you made on Micah six, they're looking at a yeah, word. Yeah. Woke, woke, woke exegesis is sorely lacking when it comes to Micah like, 6 their pet verse. Right, you know, right. as I reflect on some of the remarks and comments uh, that we've been talking about that were made toward Brent Jean Omaha, I'm reminded of a quote from C.H. Spurgeon. Hmm? C.H. Spurgeon said this, quote, Spurgeon said, many forgive because they cannot revenge. Hmm. Their virtue, their virtue is the result of their inability to be vicious. Mm-hmm. Wow, 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 wow. You said many forgive because they cannot revenge. Their mm-hmm. virtue is the result of their inability to be vicious. You know, it's woke evangelicals, such as some of those that we've quoted on this episode that fall into that category of people that Spurgeon is talking about. They are vengeful and vindictive people who desire revenge, but since they can't have that, they'll settle for making a black man forgiving his brother's murderer a matter of white oppression and buying into the legacy of slavery in America. That's that's powerful. That's powerful. You see, but when God's people forgive, it is God who gets the glory. Amen. And God's people are to glory in God getting the glory. Amen. But ironically, that is what is so sad about the reaction Brant Jean is receiving from a lot of these woke evangelicals. Brant Jean did exactly what Jesus commands us in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. Jesus said, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your father who is in heaven. Now, that word see in Matthew 5, 16, is the Greek verb horao. That's H-O-R-A-O, horao. That word horao, is, if you translate that literally in the Greek, it means not only to observe something with the physical eye, but to see with the mind so mm. as to perceive, to pay heed to, to become acquainted with by experience and understanding. That is what that little word see actually means in that verse in uh, verse 16 of Matthew 5. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what Brant Jean did. Brant Jean let his light so shine that his good works were seen. They were perceived. They were understood by people all over the world. And as a result of him letting his light shine, God was glorified. Mm-hmm. You see, but that wasn't enough for these embittered angry and hypocritical woke evangelicals. Their indignation reminds me of the behavior of the chief priests when Jesus cleansed the temple in Matthew chapter 21. I'm going to read verses 12 through 15 of Matthew 21. And when Jesus entered the temple and drove out all those who were buying and selling in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves. And he said to them, it is written My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a robber's den. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that Jesus had done, and the children who were shouting in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, 
they became indignant. That's Matthew 21, verses 12 through 15. Now, notice the wording Matthew uses here. He describes the healings Jesus performed on the blind and the lame that came to him as, quote, wonderful things, unquote. But despite those wonderful things that Jesus did, the scribes and the chief priests became indignant. Now, in the Greek, that word indignant literally means that the scribes and chief priests were extremely displeased. They were extremely displeased. Now, why would they be so displeased at the fact that Jesus was healing lame and blind people or that he was treating the temple of God as the house of prayer and worship that it was intended to be treated as? They were displeased because the wonderful things Jesus was doing didn't align with their social, religious, and political agenda. The same is the case for many of these woke evangelicals. They're no different than these scribes and chief priests that are described in Matthew 21. The forgiveness proffered to Amber Geyer by Brant Jean was a wonderful thing. But it wasn't wonderful enough for these woke evangelical social justicians. Well, why? Because Amber Geyer is white. That's why. And for a black person to forgive their white oppressor is the ultimate insult to and rejection of the social, political, and religious agenda of woke evangelicalism. Right. Right. What you got? It took all of the, I, I love what you said earlier. It took all the, it took all the, the man, that what, what, what Brant John did gave glory to God. It, it really did. In fact, there all kinds of folk were talking about it uh, and, and pointing to the fact that he, he ultimately shared the message of the gospel uh, and, and, and charged her to repent of sin and place her faith in Christ, to, to admit her guilt to God who forgives and that he knows that God would forgive her and give her eternal life. I mean, he, he shares the message of the gospel and God gets the glory. The problem with that for woke evangelicals is it takes glory from them. Right. It takes, it takes all, it removes right. all the glory that's aimed at them. Uh, it takes it away and it, 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 it really relieves them of any power. Mm-hmm. And so now, so, so what they have to do in order to grasp it back is to vilify this young man. Right. It, it, it's to make him look as if he's done something wrongheaded or, 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 or minimize the glory that it gives to God. Right. So that they can hold on to this oppressor oppressed narrative. Right. It's Again, it most- keeps coming back. It keeps coming back. I'm going to interrupt for just a second. Yeah, yeah. It just keeps coming back to what James Cohn said in the quote that I read earlier. It's yep. treasuring that hostility. You have to what, treasure what, whatever that cost, whatever that costs, even if it costs ridiculing another young black Christian. We must treasure that hostility against white people at all costs. At all costs. Even, even, even to the diminishing of the glory of God. Oh, wow, bro. Even wow. to the, even, I mean, that's Man. where we, that's where we are. Cause what we're about, we're bowing the knee to that. We're treasuring. Wow. We, we've not honored Christ the Lord is holy. First Peter 3.15. We've not honored Christ the Lord is holy. What we've honored is our hatred is holy. Wow, bro. Yeah, we've, we've bowed, whoa, 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 whoa. Cue the mascot, please. Cue that's what the we, mascot right I, now. That's what we've done. We're not honoring Christ the Lord as holy. 
right? Always being prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks us for the hope that we have in him. That's not what we're doing. What we're doing is we're honoring our hatred as holy. And we're, and we're always prepared to, to explain and express our offense in the face of the holiness of God. Wow. That's Man. what we're doing. And, 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 and at the end of the day, you, what Cone does is Cone expresses in the quote that you, that you gave earlier, Cone expresses who our God is. It is the God of self and hatred is holiness. Wow. Man. Bro, that is so well said, and it's true. And if I could just interject one more time, I would, I have to re- repeat this quote from Cone because we, we keep coming back to this. This is the essence of liberate, black liberation theology. This is black liberation theology. This is woke evangelicalism at its most fundamental. James Cone said that reconciliation on white racist terms is impossible for black people since it would crush the dignity of black people. Under these conditions, blacks must treasure their hostility, bringing it fully into consciousness as an irreducible quality of their identity. Hmm. Unbelievable. Hmm. Unbelievable. And and that's exactly what's happening. Fundamentally, that's exactly what it all comes back to what we've been talking about. Did you have anything else to finish up with, Omar? it man well you know i just want to say when you think about it when you really step back and look at this topic objectively through the word of god i think you'll find that this discussion is really less about what brant john did and more about what jesus christ has done Mm. it is that question that is fundamental to this discussion and that is the question what is it that christ came into this world to accomplish what did jesus christ come into this world, a world that he created to accomplish. Christ came into this world to provide the way, not a way, the way for sinners like you and me to be forgiven of the sins that we've committed against a holy and righteous God and to be justified in his sight. And how is that forgiveness made possible? How is that forgiveness made possible? It is made possible through the life, death, burial and resurrection of the sinless son of God, Jesus Mm. Christ, who pays the penalty of the sins of whoever will place their faith and trust in him for the eternal salvation of their soul. Mm. Now, woke evangelicals, woke evangelicals like the ones whose comments we've shared on this episode of the Just Thinking podcast are exactly the opposite of how the gospel of Jesus Christ teaches that we are to conduct ourselves as his followers. Mm. Ephesians 5 Verses 1 and 2. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 says this. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children Mm. and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Now, that Mm. word imitators in Ephesians 5, 1 literally means to mimic or copy. Mm. It's where you get that old school word mimeograph okay Mm. we are to be a mimic we are to be a copy of christ we are to be copies of jesus christ in the world now these people who are being so sanctimonious about what brant jean did are the kind of people who would have been in the crowd waiting to stone the woman who was caught in adultery in john chapter 8 now i'm not saying they would have thrown a stone at the woman 
but I have no doubt they would have kept the stone in their pocket just in case they saw her on the street later on. <laughs> that, that's what these woke, woke evangelicals remind me of. They also remind me, they also remind me of the unforgiving debtor in Matthew chapter 18. Yes, yes, yes. Who after being forgiven all that debt that he owed to the king, went out of the king's presence. He went out of the king's presence and showed no compassion whatsoever to the person that he crossed paths with who was indebted to him. Man, come on. That's a good one. Consequently, that unmerciful debtor ended up being thrown in prison until he could pay the king every last cent that he owed. Now, listen, any so-called Christian out there who has the arrogance to be offended or angry at Brant John for forgiving his brother murder, brother's murder obviously has no appreciation whatsoever of the sin debt that they themselves owe to God. Come on. Now, wait a minute. Now you got to cue the mascot. Now you got to cue the mat that preaches, man. That, that's that's what it's about, man. You got you got to say that again. That that was so nice. You got to say it twice. <laughs> that any that's so-called it. Christian, yeah. any so-called Christian out there. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your ethnicity is. If you call yourself a Christian and you have the arrogance to be offended or angry at Brant Jean for forgiving his brother's murderer, you obviously have zero appreciation whatsoever for the sin debt that you owe to an infinitely holy and righteous God. Amen. God in Jesus Christ has forgiven us a literally unpayable debt. Yes. Unpayable. He didn't have to do that. God doesn't owe anyone forgiveness. Mm. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30 that by his doing, that is by God's proactive doing, you are in Christ Jesus, not by virtue of anything you've done or deserved or earned. Apart from Jesus Christ and his propitiatory death on the cross, you deserve hell. I deserve hell. Omaha deserves hell. Apart from Christ, that's what we deserve. Yes, All of us. Absolutely. Omaha, you got anything, man? Just uh, kind of going back through, is you talked about... Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, being imitators of God, that we're to walk in love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Man, that apart from the grace of God, that's impossible for us to do. I know. And so, and so when we witness, when we witness a glimpse of that, as we did in this situation with Brant John, we should be blown away, overwhelmed, by, by the grace of God expressed through this young man. I, I thought about what, what, what would, what would woke evangelicalism have us to know and understand as they're preaching their, their, their gospel of salvation. And, and I, so I wrote down some thoughts. Here are my thoughts. In woke evangelicalism, ethnicity is salvific and, and race yeah. is equivalent to righteousness, right? In, in woke evangelicalism, Christ's death is not a propitiation, but it's an attestation of our own self-righteousness. Mm -hmm. In woke evangelicalism, God's grace is deficient while one's race makes it sufficient. God's love is, is, is ignored and anger and bitterness and hatred on the basis of ethnicity is embraced. Man, how, how here's my question, bro. How long can we continue to call this woke movement Christian? You can't. You, you can't. can't. That's a great that's a great question, bro. We need to stop doing that right now. 
Because this is not Christianity. This is not biblical Christianity. This is not mimicking Christ at all. Not even close. You and, know? And, here, and here's the thing. Here's here's the thing that that, that I'm grateful for our dear brothers. And and I, I I won't name them all. You and I get emails from folks, and folks reach out to us from time to time on the back end. Hey, what are your thoughts about this or about that? I I know our brothers in Christ are trying their best to refrain from saying. These folks are not Christian. These, we've been calling them brothers. We can no longer. I, I, and, and I recognize that they're wanting to be careful in that. I, I can confidently say that what woke, woke Christianity is not Christianity. Right. It's not. And, and we, and we can say that on the basis of scripture. We are saying Absolutely. that on the basis of what the scriptures objectively say. We're not giving Absolutely. you our subjective personal opinions about Absolutely. people. Absolutely. I don't know how many texts we've read and, and exposited and exegeted on this episode up to this point, and we've and got other, still more to talk other, about. We've got we've got we've got a library of work to go back through as we've done that, as we've unpacked piece by piece by piece as different issues have come up. That's very true. And and our listeners, those who are regular listeners, as, as you said earlier, we get new listeners all the time. But those who are who listen to the Just Thinking podcast regularly, they know that's what we do. We open the word of God. We exposit the word of God. We exegete words. We exegete terms. We take the topics that we're dealing with and we look at those topics through the lens of the objective truth of Scripture, not the other way around. Right. You know, right. Omaha, you know when you think about it. When you think about it, it's actually quite ironic that Amber Geyer was convicted of the crime of murder. Mm. I say that because the scriptures declare in 1 John chapter 3, verse 15, that everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And oh. you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. That's 1 John three fifteen. If you open your Bible's listeners, that verse should be in there. Okay? Mm-hmm. So I think it's really ironic that Amber Guy was convicted of murder because the scripture says that everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. So biblically speaking, the evangelical church has a bunch of murderers running around in it. Wow. Yeah, I said it. The evangelical church has a bunch of murderers running around in it. Mm -hmm. Some of those murderers are actually leaders in the church. What has been expressed in the comments made by these woke social justicians is nothing but hatred. And God views that hatred as being tantamount to murder. And yet these woke evangelicals would swear that they do have eternal life abiding. Right, in them. right, right, right. Again, think about it. These are people who are angry and upset that Brad Jean obeyed God. Right. This is absolutely unbelievable. This is unbelievable. Instead of giving glory to God and rejoicing with the rest of the church at this brother's testimony to the heart transforming power of the gospel, which has been witnessed now by millions of people on the Internet and through social media. Yes. They would rather keep their hatred of this woman alive, despite the fact that she was sentenced to 10 years in prison. So mm-hmm. they'd rather keep their hatred alive so as to foster the kind of ethnic discord and disunity that gives life and purpose to their sinfully prejudicial worldview. That's it. That's it. Listen, listen to Jesus's words in Matthew chapter five, verses 43 through 48. This is Jesus speaking. Matthew five, verses 43 through 48. Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. 
But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and send rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not so even good. the tax collectors do the same? If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. That was Matthew 5, verses 43 through 48. Now, this passage is a very weighty reminder that the gospel calls followers of Christ to embrace a manner of thinking and living that this world will never comprehend. Never. That's what these woke evangelical grudge holders apparently don't understand. What is it about Christ's command? I want to ask, this is, this is my question to those woke evangelicals out there. What is it about Christ's command to love your enemies do you not understand? Right. What is it about that that you don't understand? I don't know. He, mm -hmm. Jesus could not have made it any plainer. Clear, he says yeah. in verse 44 of Matthew 5, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. How much more yeah. plain can it get? Omaha, yeah. what's God? It, it's it's interesting because again, they they've taken a. I remember when this thing when this thing dropped. Uh, when there there were two parts of this. The first part of it was when the conviction came uh, of murder, and and I remember everybody coming to the podium, and and you know this was this was justice for Trayvon Martin, and this was justice for this one, and this. I mean, they were naming all these folks that had been. They've been slain and murdered and, and, and you know, uh, uh, police action. This was justice for all of those people collectively. And I remember thinking, how in the world, how, how light, I mean, no one take, no one had given thought to the fact that this one situation was, had nothing to do with all of those other issues, but they were, they were trying to, in, in their, in their tribalistic worldview, attach this instance to all of these others, not recognizing that in that, in that regard, they're minimizing the fact that each one of these situations were unique individuals who lost their lives. N right. Number one, it, this is, this, this just exposes the backwardness of this worldview. Right. And, and then on the other hand, on the other hand, it, it was, they were upset because, well, she only got 10 years. Yeah. Well, she only got to, so it was, she should have gotten a whole lot more. So, so there's no one is ever really satisfied. There's, there's never any, any, you know, any satisfactory situation. There's none of this is ever adjudicated rightly where people are, 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 are comfortable, confident in, in what took place when it, when in actuality, if they would just adopt a biblical worldview, <laughs> based right. upon the passage that you shared, Matthew 5, 43 and 48, that we're going to love our neighbor, uh, and as, as we do ourselves and we're going to love our enemy and pray for those who, who persecute us. We, we, we're to operate from a position of love and, and it, it didn't, one of the things that I saw, I'll, I'll say this and, 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 and wrap here. And, and that is one of the things that I witnessed in, in Brant John's testimony. He, he did not ignore the fact that his brother was taken from him and that, that that was painful. He, he didn't ignore that fact. That's a great point. Uh, all, 
never ignored that fact. He acknowledged that reality that his brother was taken and that, and that she had done it and that it, that it had a, that, that it had a, a significant amount of pain that it caused that she would have to live with for the rest of her life. He stated that. But then he points to, and then he points to what's greater. What's greater is not, not the temporal here and now, but what's greater is eternity. Not even her, her, the the adjudication of her case, not the 10 years, not if she got more than that, not if she got less than that. None of that. What he did was he said against the backdrop of all of that is something greater, something bigger than all Mm -hmm. of us. Mm -hmm. And that is God's sovereignty and Christ in him crucified. And he in, in the chaos, all of what takes place. He points to that greater reality for right. us all. Right. So that we can so that we can properly apply texts like the one you just read, Matthew 543. Right. That's how he gave us in his action the Man. template for how oh, we do that, for how we Come demonstrate. On, that's that's exactly what he did. And 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 woke evangelicals are 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 so, are so asleep. They can't even grasp it. They, they, they can't even see what was really on full display. It was unbelievable. That's because you're absolutely right in what you just said there at the end. And that's because they have such a low view of Jesus. Absolutely. Absolutely. They have a low view of Christ. They have a absolutely. low view of his gospel. Mm-hmm. When, when you study the passage that I just read, when you get along with God, and it's just you and that Bible and the Holy Spirit, and you read Matthew 5, verses 43 through 48, you have to fall to your knees. Yes. Because you realize two things. You realize the level of inhuman uh, 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 capacity you have to live up to the standard that that Jesus is talking about in that passage. Yeah. And you hit your face on the ground and you call out to God and confess, God, I can't do this. Absolutely. I can't, I can't do this. Of course, God knows you can't do that, Mm -hmm. but thank God he has, we have the Holy spirit dwelling in us to empower us to live like that. But the question is, the question becomes, do you desire to live like that? That's good. That's so good. That's so, man, wait a minute. Hold up. Hold up. What you just said there just flipped the switch on a whole, on a whole new, new level because what that requires, what that requires, what that requires is true regeneration. What that, what that requires is a transformed heart and a renewed mind. That 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 requires us not desiring sin and desiring the things of God, and only God can transform a heart to be in a position where it desires what you just shared. I mean, seriously, you read Matthew five verses forty three through forty eight. I'm serious. This, this passage just blows your mind. So the question is, do I even want to love my enemies? Hmm. I mean, let's not pretend God knows your heart. He knows. So that's the question first. Do I even want to love my enemies? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and as we continue to talk about this, Obama, oh, they almost called you Obama. You almost did. You did that. You almost did that. I think I'm turning woke. 
It was there was one I, other episode where you almost did that. I I, I, I do it well, bro. Oh wow, man, my bad. <laughs> oh, what my I was God. about to say was Omaha. <laughs> you know what really upsets me most about this is that you have people who profess to be Christian who yes. obviously have made an idol of ethnicity. Yes, it's an yes. idol. They've made an idol of ethnicity, yet they won't. They would not fail to stop and think about the fact, and they don't do this is what I'm trying to say. They fail to stop and think about the fact that they had absolutely nothing to do with the ethnicity they possess. Yes, you ever good. think about that? Here they are that's making good. an idol of their ethnicity, right? and yet they had nothing to do with the ethnicity that they possess. Right. Acts, Acts chapter 27, verse 16, it makes that clear. Right, right, right. And, and from from one man, that is one from one man, Adam. God made every ethnicity on the face of the earth. Yes, God made you that way. Yep, yep, yep. Determines the boundaries to, and determine the boundaries of the habitation. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> why why would you take pride in something that you had nothing to do with? Right, right. But you see, such is the depravity of the human heart that our eyes, and check this, listen to this, our eyes can observe something as static and innocuous as the color of someone's skin. We can process that information in our mind and form a sinfully biased opinion about that person in our heart. That is the degree to which your heart is depraved. Our hearts are so depraved that we can just capture something with the eye and in a split second, it's translated into a sinfully biased opinion in our heart. You know, John Calvin was absolutely right when he said the human heart is an idol factory. Right, right. Calvin was absolutely right. You know, when it comes to the biblical teaching on forgiveness, I don't see any asterisks in the Bible. Okay? <laughs> right, 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 right. I don't see any fine print. I don't see any appendices. See Appendix A, Appendix B. No, I don't see any of that. Right, right. All I see are patches, passages like this. First John chapter 4, verses 19 and 20. First John 4, 19 and 20. We love because he first loved us. Mm. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Oh, man. That's First John 4, 19 and 20. You know, the Greek noun liar in that verse literally translates to mean a false man. Hmm? Now, the context there is that your words are false because you as a person in terms of your character and nature are false. Hmm? So when God calls you a liar, just as he did here in First John 4, 19, to those who say they love God but hate their brother, you're a false person, not yes. just by your words, yes. but inside. You're false. You're not even real. Now I want to read Mark chapter 15. We're getting close to the, to the end here. But I, I want to read Mark chapter 15. Verses 16 through 25. And this is especially, I'm going to sound like a radio DJ now. <laughs> and said, this, this passage goes out to all my woke evangelical brothers and sisters out there. I know y'all are listening. Right, right. I want to read Mark chapter 15, verses 16 through 25. Again, this is from the non-Armenian standard. 
Bible translation. <laughs> Mark's, Mark 15, verses 16 through 25. The soldiers took him away into the palace, that is the praetorium, and they called together the whole Roman cohort. They dressed him up in purple, and after twisting a crown of thorns, they put it on him. And they began to acclaim him, Hail, King of the Jews. They kept beating his head with a reed and spitting on him and kneeling and bowing before him. After they had mocked him, they took the purple robe off him and put his own garments on him, and they led him out to crucify him. They pressed into service a passerby coming from the country, Simon of Cyrene, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to bear his cross. Then they brought him to the place Golgotha, which is translated place of a skull. They tried to give him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him and divided up his garments among themselves, casting lots for them to decide what each man should take. It was the third hour when they crucified him. That was Mark chapter 15, verses 16 through 25. Now, if you profess to be a follower of Jesus Christ, the passage I just read is what the perfectly just, holy, and sinless Son of God endured for an unjust, unholy, and thoroughly sinful individual like yourself. Jesus was spat on for you. He was punched in the face for you. Jesus was whipped beyond recognition for you. He was nailed to a cross and shed his own blood for you. He did this because he loves you even though you were unlovable. Mm-hmm. Now, J.I. Packer puts that in perspective for us in his classic book, Knowing God. If you've not read Knowing God, shame on you. Pick up a copy and read it. J.I. Packer says this. We can only claim justice from God. And justice for us means certain condemnation. Mm -hmm. God does not owe it to anyone to stop justice taking its course. He is not obliged to pity and pardon. If he does so, it is an act of it is an act done, as we say, of his own free will, and nobody forces his hand. Grace is free in the sense of being self-originated and of proceeding from one who was free not to be gracious. Mm. Only when it is seen that what decides each individual's destiny is whether or not God resolves to save him from his sins and that this is a decision which God need not make in any single case. Can one begin to grasp the biblical view of grace? Unquote. Mm -hmm. That's J.I. Packer from Knowing God. Only God is free to not be gracious. Mm. I'll repeat that. Only God is free to not be gracious. Neither you nor I have that prerogative. These woke evangelical social justices are demonstrating a level of pride and arrogance that I have rarely seen. It is really pitiable that they would even call themselves Christians. Yes. 
What Brand Jean did was a wonderful thing in God's sight, but mm -hmm. only those who appreciate how much they have been forgiven by God yes. will see Brand Jean's gesture for the wonderful thing that it is. What right do any of us have who claim the name of Jesus Christ to withhold forgiveness or encourage the withholding of forgiveness from anyone? Amen. Or to place asterisks or fine print on the atonement that Christ's death on the cross fully and finally accomplished. Mm -hmm. The graceless, vindictive, vengeful, and retributive tribalistic idolatry that is being practiced in woke evangelicalism today needs to be called out for the sin that it is and be repented of by those who practice it and they know who they are. There is nothing about woke evangelicalism that resembles the kind of character that followers of Christ ought to display to the world. And what does that kind of character look like? I'll tell you. Let's read Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 13. Colossians 3, verses 1 through 13. This is what that character of Christ looks like. Therefore, if, and that word can be translated since, therefore, since you have been raised up with Christ, Keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. And in them you also once walked when you were living in them. Yes. But now you also put them all aside. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. A renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and freeman, but Christ is all in all. Now, here's the, here's the money verse, verse 12. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, that's the indicative there, okay? So that's the fact. We are chosen of God, and as a result, we are holy and beloved. That's the indicative. Now comes the imperative, all right? Every indicative has an imperative. The imperative, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Yes. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Man. That's Colossians 3, verses 1 through 13. Now, Brant Jean rightly and justly had a complaint against Amber Guyer. Yes, yeah, yeah. His complaint was that she murdered his brother. His complaint was validated by virtue of the fact that Gaia was convicted of murder by a jury of her peers in a court of law. But as one who has been chosen of God, 
holy and beloved, as we just read, Brant John, in accordance with the new self in which he is now identified in Christ, he chose to put on a heart of compassion and forgave the person against whom he had a complaint. I said had a complaint, past tense. Because when we forgive as God has forgiven us, whatever complaint or grievance we had against that person is no longer justifiable. Amen. That's what it means to forgive as the Lord forgave you. It means that whatever complaint or grievance you or I may have had against anyone is forever set aside, never again to be brought up against that person, whomever he or she may be and whatever the complaint or grievance might have been. That is the kind of supernatural, illogical, and inexplicable love which we, who have been chosen by God in Jesus Christ, have been called to display to the world. And that is exactly what Brandt Jean did. To those woke evangelicals who would argue otherwise, my message to you is the same as what Peter said to the sorcerer in Acts chapter 8, who thought he could obtain the gift of the Holy Spirit with money. Peter said this, Therefore, repent of this wickedness of yours and pray the Lord that if possible, the intention of your heart may be forgiven you. Omaha, close this out, man. Man, this is good stuff all the way through and through. I'm excited that we did this. I'm hopeful that it was helpful uh, to those who heard it, to who heard us walk through this. This is, this is a big issue, man, this past week. And, and I think uh, that, that all of what transpired, the narrative that was at play, all of what was there uh, really brought to light the distinctions between those who hold to woke evangelicalism, who hold to black liberation theology, who hold to, 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 to Conian ideology, um, and, and what biblical, um, theology, what a biblical anthropology, what, 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 what orthodox Christianity is supposed to be about. So there's some real lines of distinction that are, that are drawn, that are made. And, and I'm, I'm grateful that we've had, that we've taken the time to walk through this in, in a, in a lengthy way, uh, from a biblical point of view so that our, so that our listeners and others, uh, can, can be fully equipped, uh, to give an answer, to give a response to those they encounter. So man, good stuff. Glad to be here. Glad that you all joined us. Tune in next time for the next edition of the Just Thinking Podcast. Got to get back. I need some get back.